everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is a 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob. Today's episode is going to be jam-packed with all sorts of competitive 40k news regarding 9th edition. With me, I brought three great hosts, three people who are veterans of competitive 40k, who know what they're talking about. They are, uh, have rolled many ones in tournaments, have lost many games, I think combined have lost more games than we have had United States presidents, um, quadrupled, maybe even quintupled. Uh, Mr. Scarry from Scardcast. Although I have lost, I haven't lost any to a Maliceptor. Ooh! <laughs> There's an inside joke that half of the audience isn't going to get. Uh, Mr. Brandon Grant. Uh, and then finally, the Greybush himself, the head of Frontline Gaming and the ITC, Mr. Reese Robbins. Hello. All right. So the reason why I brought these three veterans of the game on is because we're going to be talking about competitive 40k. We're going to look at a snapshot of what we think the 2021 season is going to look like for competitive 40k. We might talk a little bit of meta. We might talk about where the directions of certain tournaments are going to go. It's all going to be very, very exciting, futuristic prediction type stuff. But more importantly, if you're listening to this episode, you want to get into competitive 40k. You clicked on this because either you're new to the edition, you picked up 40k, you spent thousands of dollars on your plastic crack, and you want to know how to beat your friend's face in of course, on the tabletop. Or you're listening to this and you might just, just want to jump into a tournament. Maybe you, you've heard buddies talk about it who had a great time. Uh, maybe you want to make a name for yourself and you want to be the best that there ever was. Uh, or maybe you just want to have a good time. Either way, this episode is also for you. We're going to be talking about what it means to get into competitive 40k, what competitive 40k actually is, and then a quick guideline primer for people who want to jump into it so that you know what to expect, you know where to go, you know where to sign up, uh, and you know what you know what to do. Uh, I wish I had one of these guides when I first jumped into Warhammer 40k, which is why I plan on making an episode like this for every edition, every time there's a new edition. Um, it's very important to usher in new players and usher in people into competitive 40k because I've always felt like competitive 40k was one of the most fulfilling communities I've ever been a part of and I would like to share that with you all so to usher in the new edition and also to welcome you all to hopefully 40k in general we're going to be giving away awesome stuff specifically we're having a ninth edition celebration giveaway brought to you by Frontline Gaming and the Frontline Gaming Network and the Art of War. Uh, three podcasts, or the Frontline Gaming Network is a podcast network revolving around competitive 40k and 40k in general. The Art of War is the best coaching and list advice service that you can get for your money. And then finally, Frontline Gaming is the one-stop shop for all awesome tabletop goodies, including models, mats, terrain, and so much more. Uh, I... I, the giveaway is huge. We're giving away $1,500, a $1,500 shopping spree for GW products. I'm not going to get into details. I'm just going to say, click on that link below if you're interested. Signing up is absolutely free, and uh, you can enter a bunch of times So uh, just by doing all the cool stuff. So it's kind of like an achievement minigame as well. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, Brees, is there anything else to add to that? Yeah, like you said, Pablo, super easy to play. Every day there's new ways to gain entry, so it's kind of like a, a raffle in a sense. 
all you have to do to get started is put in your email address and then there's actions that you can take like checking out someone's Facebook page, uh, subscribing to the FLGN if you haven't already done so, uh, things like that. And then every day you can go back and just click a button and you'll get another entry to win. And there's just some really, really cool prizes. Obviously, the $1,500 uh, shopping spree is the big one. So you can get an army for ninth, start fresh, or start something new, add to your existing army. It's pretty exciting. And uh, when we were conceiving of it, it reminded me of when I was a, a little kid. I would always watch on TV. They'd have the Toys R Us, like, 60-minute, or not even that. It was, like, 10-minute shopping spree where the kid would run around with a shopping cart and just throw toys in there. And uh, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And that, that's kind of what this reminds me of, but, you know, for adult nerds. <laughs> right on. And it, by listening to Chapter Tactics today, you also get a free five entries automatically. All you do is enter promo code RHINO uh, into the link below. I know a lot of you just left. Sayonara. I'll welcome you back later on in the episode when you come back in. But you can go on there, enter promo code RHINO, and you get five free entries, which is super cool. And how do you spell RHINO for some of us? Uh, are... R-H-I-N-O. Some of us are grammatically intently. challenged. <laughs> uh, and then um, I'm not sure if it's last year, it was last uh, giveaway was all in caps. Uh, I'm not sure if it's case sensitive, but I would try entering in caps and then not in caps. Because I wasn't, I'm not sure exactly. I also put it in the description. So you can read all that stuff and follow those instructions later. Uh, let's jump into the episode. So the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about competitive 40k for beginners, how to jump into it. And then from there, we'll talk about uh, what competitive 40k means to us. And then finally, talking about the future of competitive 40k in 2021, because uh, let's be honest, we don't really know what it's going to look like with all that's going on right now. We don't even know when tournaments are going to open back up. So I think it'll be have a, fun to have a lot of speculation around that. So first and foremost, starting with Mr. Scari, if you were to bring introduce one person into a competitive 40k scene maybe a tournament or um a team a, pro, a team like an ICC team for instance or whatever uh where would you tell them to begin i'd say relax man or woman or you know just take a chill pill to be honest i think one of the biggest things that is a barrier to entering competitive 40k is the anxiety of going to an event and playing against people who you've never met before or feeling the pressure of performance. And I think you just have to take your first tournament as a learning experience and have fun with every dice roll. So don't take it too seriously. And that's the best way to start getting into competitive 40K. Right on. Now, Reese, you've been around the game for for many, many years. You've encountered all sorts of opponents, as Scari alluded to. Um, what what was advice would you give to someone wanting to jump into competitive 40k? So I'll share an anecdote. When I got into it is because um, I love competition. I love the thrill of playing a game where both players are trying the hardest to win. And that's um, the excitement of that is really difficult or it's hard to replace that feeling, right? Like when you're playing a video game online, you get sort of a similar situation or you do, you're playing a sport or something like that. Um, so that was what drew me in initially. And I think that's what draws a lot of people in is the thrill of competition. But what keeps you coming back is the camaraderie and the friendship. So I'd say come in uh, trying to compete your best. And that's, I want to emphasize that that's not 
necessarily trying to win because um, only one person wins. And if you're dead set on, on winning the whole event and you don't, you're going to be let down. So set your bar at, I want to do my best. I want to try my, my best, accepting whatever outcome comes. And then go to make friends because ultimately, you know, 20 years, 30 years down the road, like some of us are, that's the thing that keeps you coming back is the social aspect. Uh, right on. That's that's uh, what I honestly, that's what kept me in the game. I was a lot like you, except I was a hungry little rhino who wanted to be the best and then realized very quickly that I, it, that's a long road. Uh, and so the community and the friends are what kept me going. Now, now, finally, as someone who was quite literally the best, uh, Brandon Grant, you're an ITC champion, which uh, we'll explain a little bit later. Um, you've, I, in my opinion, reached the pinnacle of what you want to achieve in 40K and competitive 40K already. So um, you've kind of already been there. Um, you've done that. And you've been around for a long time as well now. What kind of advice would you give to someone like Reese and myself who came in with a competitive mindset and wanted to be the best um, who maybe wants to achieve what you've achieved? Well, it's not that you want to be the best. It's that you want to do a little better each day. So it's like Reese said, um, you're not really focused on winning all of your games. I mean, that's that's nice if it works out that way, but it's a dice game, and sometimes that half a percent chance will happen. So um, there's stuff that's outside of your control. Sometimes you're just going to have a bad day, and that's okay. Uh, so what you want to focus on is just playing as well as you possibly can. And if you're on that treadmill of how can I play as well as I possibly can, you're going to have a great time, win or lose. And you're going to have a great time when you go to an event and you play someone who is probably way better than yourself that you have no business playing because you went 2-0 in the first two rounds. Or, alternatively, you're going to play someone after you're 0-2 who is just in the same boat as you are, and uh, you're going to have a great game either way. So the social side is going to be there when you're at the event. And just like Reese said, if you bring your friends along for the ride, it's going to double or even triple the amount of fun you have so even if it's a far trip, if you're splitting a room with three other people, if that's your style, great. You're going to have way more fun. So I don't know. For me, I definitely had a lot of fun in Garage Hammer for a long time, but going into tournaments was just so much more fun when you get to meet so many other people who are ex as excited about 40K and s sometimes way more excited about 40K than you are. And uh, Garage Hammer, for those who might not know, is uh, simply a shorthand term for playing in your friend's garage, um, having a great time, uh, playing a lot more casually, where the stakes of the game or the um, the outcome of the game isn't necessarily as important as the adventure, uh, which I don't think is an incorrect way to enjoy 40k. Uh, although if you listen to this podcast, it's clear that you maybe want to experience a different side in addition to Garage Hammer or instead of Garage Hammer. Uh, so... Let's talk about uh, definitions now. So I, I see competitive 40k thrown around a lot on YouTube, on Facebook, online, um, forums, Reddit, etc. Uh, from people who are both in competitive 40k and not. And there is a lot of definitions and stigma and verbiage kind of attached onto that term competitive 40k. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about how I define it and then I kind of want to talk about um, or actually have you guys each express what competitive 40k kind of means to you or what you think about competitive 40k. Uh, so for me, basically, competitive 40k is the uh, collective Warhammer 40,000 community of people who go to tournaments and talk about going to tournaments. 
that's essentially the widest thing I can think of. doesn't necessarily mean the professional circuit, the best players only. It just simply means you enjoy going to tournaments. You listen to this podcast. You listen to The Art of War. Uh, you care about the tournament scene. You care about some sort of semblance of meta or doing your best and spending time with your buddies and competing. Um, that's all that kind of means to me uh, in the broadest of terms. Um, starting with... Uh, Brandon, what does competitive 40k kind of mean to you? Like, what's the definition to you? Um, competitive 40k is going to an event where you find someone who's way better than you are, and you get to learn something from them as you either put up a really good fight and pull off a victory, or, wow, I didn't know you could do that, and you figure out something new. Um, so competitive 40k is the opportunity to... Be, be that big fish in a small pond, except now you're in a big pond and there's just so much more to experience and learn about. Hmm. Uh, Reese? Uh, I love what Brandon had to say. Um, for, for me personally, it started out, or it still is really, is when you go in and you, you do your best to like think up the, the best list or the most creative list or the most some weird combo list. And then you get to go and put it um, to the ultimate litmus test against other people that are trying to do the same thing. So that's that's thrilling. And then it's also um, the social experience. And then now at this stage of my, my career, it's it's um, it really just is a definition for organized play or match play um, as people that enjoy coming together to, to play the game in a, a setting that is larger than Garage Hammer. Right. And a lot of people come with no intention of competing at all. They come just to have a good time and drink some beers and, and have fun. So my, my perspective is changed a lot on on what it is as uh, my role has changed but it started out for me as that is like trying to test my brains against another person's brains and luck hmm. scary so for me competitive 40k has is more of a journey it's been about you know small little goals that you sort of like reach and challenge yourself to do and it's also been about surprising myself with how far I can sort of push the envelope of what, you know, society's expectations of something are, taking mishmash units or things that aren't considered, quote, competitive, and then making them work and challenging myself to sort of prove people wrong in that sense. And that journey of not only improving every single time, but challenging yourself and continuously growing is incredibly stimulating and there's nothing like a competitive game where you get to play against someone who has the same sort of mindset and every move is calculated and clean and you both know the rules very well and that's sort of like the epitome of that like you know symbiosis of competitive play which is like what you're aiming to strive for what i aim to get to Right on. Uh, now, Reese, you you brought it up. Um, I feel like you read my mind. You talked about match play and um, organized play, and that's where I was heading with that. So, uh, for those of you who who don't know, GW did put out um, rules for match play, which match play is essentially what competitive 40k is uh, based off of, or or the glue that kind of keeps competitive 40k together. Um, that and organized play, which is uh, the tournament organizers and the people who run these large events all around the world uh that's that's essentially a a core part of what competitive 40k is so where if you if you were to 
introduce someone to match play and organized play, um, what is the first step you would have you would ask them to take um, on their way to, uh, or I guess on their journey to organized play? Um, I guess starting with Ascari this time. So if I were to introduce them to it, I would at first I'd basically start with like the missions and just getting them comfortable with you know what missions they'll be playing with, and then sort of developing a list with that as well. And that's kind of what I would recommend to get them into it. Yeah, absolutely. And we're actually pretty spoiled. Um, it, this is I think the most unified uh, edition when it comes to missions. Uh, whereas I remember last time we had this episode, we talked about with, you know, ITC missions, Nova missions, Adepticon missions, GW's match play missions. Uh, there, there was just a lot of missions that you had to be, um, you know, you had to be uh, wary of, or you had to know about, and you had to know what missions you were playing um, before you entered the tournament. Now, I don't, I don't think that's that, but this much of an issue. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it used Brandon. to be, oh, sorry, it, it used to okay. be read the player pack was the first thing that we'd say. But you now still it's still read uh, your player pack. Correct, but uh, the player pack is a lot closer to read the rule book and uh, know your rules. <laughs> hmm. uh, I actually, uh, instead of going to Brandon real quick, Reese, um, you obviously you you have um, uh, more of a uh, kind of a, a eyesight view of of the future in this regard. Um, but would you say that for anyone who wants to play an organized and match play, do you think the first step would be going into the unit or the uh, grand tournament mission pack, GW's grand tournament mission pack, and uh, buying that? Would you say that that is now the first step? Yeah, I mean the first step. Like I, I always believe that you learn by doing. So I would say just go, just just go to an RTT at your local store. Don't care what the result is. Just go and have fun. Jump in and learn by doing. But um, if you're more of a planner, absolutely yes. Uh, pick up the GT pack, read it, try a couple games with your friends, and then go to a tournament. You'll do better. Um, but you know, don't anal- don't have analysis paralysis. Like, uh, just jump in and have fun. It's generally speaking, it's an incredibly welcoming, open-minded, and fun community. Okay, right on. Uh, Brandon, what would you tell someone who's uh, never been to tournaments? Maybe not someone who's come from a competitive background, but just someone who's jumped into the game uh, fresh. Uh, what would you s- tell them to expect from their first uh, organized play tournament? And and I guess um, what would you expect? What would you want them not to expect as well? Um, so I would tell them to expect that, however challenging the game's been with their friends so far. At a tournament, of course, it's going to be more challenging. So just come to terms with the fact that you're not going to be, hopefully, stomping all your opponents. Uh, you'll be meeting people who are going to challenge you in new ways. Um, so, yeah, once you've gotten your rules down and you understand the missions and your army's painted to some level of tabletop standard, I hope, except that you're probably going to lose some games or have some close games and roll with it. Um, just be polite, be professional. And if or when the game's over and you've been totally tabled on bottom of turn three, try and ask your opponent what you could have done better. And most of the time, if you've been polite and professional, people will be happy to point out how they raffle stomped your army with theirs and how you could have done better. And just by doing that process, you're going to be so much better at the game and better at handling catastrophic situations that um, going forward, you'll wonder... Um, how it was ever as hard in your first tournament as it was, because it's just going to become so much easier going forward. 
Okay. All right. Uh, now, um, to stay on the subject of organized play, I want to talk about tournaments. Um, there, there's traditionally, actually, real quick, there are other mission set, mission packs, and mission sets you will see. Um, previously, one that you commonly might hear of from people as if you're jumping into competitive 40k right now is there is itc mission packs and uh something like nova or the wtc mission pack etc etc there's a lot of different varieties of missions um and instead of going kind of going through all of those right now um we already talked about it the best thing to do is always to talk to the either the people around at, at the tournament um or talking to the tournament organizer and whether you've jumped in or you're a planner and you want to ask them a month ahead of the event uh, ask them what mission pack they'll be running um most of the time i predict i agree with reese i think we will be using the grand tournament 2020 mission pack in the future but um just in case we're, we're not and uh you should know what mission you're running there's also different kinds of events as well too um which is what i want to get into now so instead of talking about the different kinds of events why don't you guys tell me what your favorite kind of events are um in which kind of events are, are kind of the um the common hallmark events that you think of when you think of competitive 40k like uh what are the what are the big boys where are their location where are they at and then also what are kind of some of the formats that you see across those big events anyone can take this so i guess i'll get started i think the cornerstone of most competitive like 40k in general are your what what are colloquially called rtts or uh, rogue trader tournaments which is essentially a name for a smaller event that tends to be held at a friendly local game store near you or you know some sort of locale where you have anywhere from you know eight to twenty people that all get together usually for a day and you play anywhere from three to four rounds of Warhammer 40,000 in a single day. I think that in and of itself, you can usually find ones near you uh, that will be happening. Um, of course, you know, within, at least right now with, uh, you know, COVID regulations or whatever, make sure you f you're following your local guidelines. Um, but, you know, in 2021 or whenever things blow over, those are going to be the most populous, the most popular sort of like basic style tournaments that really serve as a stepping stone to go to some of the larger events, which I'll let uh, one of you talk about. <laughs> All right, uh, Reese, why don't you tell them about what you some events that you um, might have a little experience with uh, in uh, 40k. Well, obviously, I have quite a bit of experience. Uh, for those of you who are new to this um, that don't know that, that that is obvious, uh, we're really prolific tournament organizers, event organizers. And uh, first of all, I 100% agree with Skari. RTTs are the backbone of the organized play community. Uh, I, some of my most enjoyable times playing 40K are going to the game store for a Saturday or a Sunday. You go with your buddies. You go play, have fun. You're competing in a, you know, a fun and lighthearted manner. You have some lunch. Maybe you go out for some beers and dinner afterwards and you go home. It's a wonderful way to spend the day. Um, from there, you kind of graduate up into what are called GTs, which is a short for Grand Tournament Major, uh, which is a bigger uh, one step above that. And then we have now what we call Super Majors, um, which just means an even bigger event. And some of these events can get up to over a thousand people. They can take place over two, even three days. And those are super exciting 
And it's like going to an RTT times like 10 or 20. So um, super recommend anybody that's kind of going through the funnel of experiencing match play um, that you want to keep your eye out for events like a grand tournament or a major or a super major that you can have a, a buddies or, you know, guys and gals, whatever road trip to. Um, those are just the same thing, but just more exciting on a bigger scale, higher stakes, more prizes, more accolades and um, super recommend it. Um, and you can like find resources like the ITC tournament calendar to go find some around you. Um, I'm kind of going off topic a little bit, but there's just, it's a, it's a big question. So yeah, go from RTT and then graduate up into the bigger events and, and you won't be disappointed. They're super fun and exciting. Okay. And then uh, Brandon, before we get to you, I'd like to add really quick to that. One common avenue that people take jumping into competitive 40k is to go to their uh, local GT or a GT closest to them and kind of uh, train for it or kind of um, play games with the goal to go to the GT and see how well they can do, um, which I think is one of the most common ways uh, I've seen people jump into competitive 40k. And luckily now, um, obviously not right now, uh, but I mean, like previously last season when tournaments were happening, uh, we have GTs all over the world. Um, it is, they are very, very accessible. Um, we've had GTs, especially last season, we had GTs pop up in places that I never would have thought we would have had GTs. Um, you know, we had majors in countries that traditionally didn't have, um, majors in the ITC. And so if you think that you might have a hard time either finding a GT or finding people to go to a GT with, uh, you can always email me frontline gaming pdpab at gmail.com. That's frontline gaming p-e-t-e-y-p-a-b at gmail.com um i i will help you find your local gt uh we also have a tremendous amount of people we have a great community of people who are always open to helping everyone out um so if you don't want to talk to me if you don't email me that's perfectly fine uh someone somewhere will be able to help you find a gt near you if that's something you want to do uh and i absolutely recommend it i think your first going to your first GT or your first major is one of the coolest life experiences that you can have playing 40k. Um, so, anyways, uh, Brandon, what are some other formats? What are some other organized play ways for people to get involved and get into competitive 40k? And some of your favorites. So, if you really want to stick with 40k, we said it already, so I'll just reiterate: um, get people to travel with you to events that you know. Um, you're going to have so much more fun. So yeah, when you dip your toes into a GT, um, make sure you bring some friends along. And then after the event is over, try and hang out with some of the other guys you played against or gals at the event and uh, go to dinner somewhere. I think that's one of the most fun things to do at one of these GTs is to socialize because it's an overnight event. A grand tournament is, for those who don't know, typically held over a weekend. So it's two days. Um, so having that Saturday night or Friday night, depending on the type of event, um, where you go and socialize with all these other 40k players, you're just going to have so much fun. It's going to make all the other games um, totally worth it just to go and hang out with people afterwards. Hmm. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about a little small something that you won, Brandon, um, the ITC. So the ITC or the Independent Tournament Circuit uh, has uh, as many, if not more, uh, names and verbiage added on to its definition. 
Uh, however, at its core, the, the independent tournament circuit is quite simply uh, groups of TOs who all kind of get together, um, put their lists, put their t- t- tournaments and events up on a list, um, and then we record the results. And at the end of the year, the season, uh, we have a big winner, the winner who's um, won and gotten the most points, uh, and they get a cool check, and uh, Brandon Grant has won that. Um, I'm, I think I did a really awful job of explaining the ITC. Reese, you're going to have to help me out. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, happy to jump in. Like, you did a good job, but, like, basically it's a global tournament circuit combined, comprised of event organizers from literally all around the world. We've had events on every continent except for India and Antarctica. Um, so if anybody is in India and wants to run an event, please reach out. Or maybe there's a science team in Antarctica that plays 40K. We'd love to accommodate you but um it's basically the culmination of going to events getting points and then you compete both regionally so you can be the best player in the southwest of the united states or in asia or you know in in europe and also globally and as teams so that after a year of competition you add up your points whoever has the most points wins and it's a ton of fun and brandon won not only did he win, he won in spectacular fashion. He played in the Las Vegas Open, which is the biggest event in the world. He won the LVO and the ITC in just probably one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life on the last roll of the dice in the championship game of the LVO with thousands and thousands of people watching. People started cheering, jumping up and down, running around the hall. You undersold it a little bit, Pablo, but I think I helped. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Absolutely. Um, I was being a little sarcastic, but I absolutely agree. I think I, I think sarcasm didn't do it justice. Um, so, Brandon, uh, as someone who's won the ITC, what is uh, what is uh, something that? What actually? How did you? How would you tell someone to join the ITC? What What would you tell someone who's new to competitive 40k? How would you get them to compete in the ITC? Where Where would you start them? Where's the starting point there? Um, well, the starting point is have a fully painted army that you understand the rules, of course. But um, I would start just with your local tournaments. So um, I know that the tool to, to find local ITC events has been updated continuously, but if you go to frontlinegaming.org, uh, you can find local, just normal rogue trader tournaments that are only for an afternoon, well, most of a day, let's be real, um, that you can attend locally. And that's how that's all you need to do to get started. Um, when you join the event, they'll ask for your name. And, uh, if you have a team, you can enter a team name. If you want to be creative, great. And your army, and that's it. And you're off to the races. You are part of the ITC. You just need to go to an ITC registered event and that's it. You're part of the ITC. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, now let's talk about formats. So tournament formats are generally pretty consistent across the board. Um, I suspect we're going to be seeing 2,000 point games on uh, 60 by 44. I don't know. The The jury is up on that. If you're listening to this right now, um, no one really knows. But in like six months, if you're listening to this, when tournaments come back, uh, we might have a we might have a um a decided consensus. However, usually they'd be played on either a 60 by 44 or six foot by four foot square table. Um. Uh, or play surface, uh, and from there you build your two thousand point battle forged 
army for match play rules using the match play rules from GW. Uh, maybe you built it on an app. Maybe you wrote it on pen and paper. Either way, you bring that army list with you to the tournament, uh, and then you get paired against people based off of at first randomly and then based off of your wins and losses uh and then at the end the person with the most wins usually but not always uh wins the entire event that is essentially your your standard basic level warhammer 40k tournament uh you show up with an army 2000 points you play and it, the more you win the more people with wins you play and that's pretty much it uh did i miss anything f- um is there anything else you, you guys want to add to that I want to add that if you have a, if you're a TO, or you want to run an event and you want to get involved with the ITC, because competition for you is not necessarily playing in competition, but helping people be in a part of a competition, make sure you reach out. Um, Reese, uh, you know, the ITC crew has like an ITC tournament organizers Facebook group where we, you know, discuss everything that has to do with the ITC as tournament organizers. And there's a lot of resources put in place to help you as an organizer run these events if it's something that you'd like to do as well. Mm. Beautiful. I, I mean, that's another whole nother thing too, right? Is uh, there are multiple ways to get into competitive 40K in addition to playing. Uh, like Scar said, you could TO, uh, you could actually uh, paint your armies. If you're a really good painter, there are millions and millions of hours online of painting tutorials where you can learn how to paint to your best ability and then you go to an event like the las vegas open and you compete for um prizes or you go to like adepticon or or gw one of gw's events get like yourself a golden demon or a crystal brush or, or whatever um that's another way to enjoy organized play and in fact um, I meet people all the time who go to tournaments who their their entire goal is to come up to me um, and ask me to like judge their the paint on their army. I'm like, oh hey, like what, what's your record? And they're like, I don't know. I'm just here to show off this awesome army. And they look at the army. I'm like, whoa, that's super cool. Um, so that's another way to enjoy competitive 40k as well too. You don't need to go just to play and do your best. You can go for a variety of reasons. You can go to support your teammates. You can go to paint, uh, win paint awards. Um, you can go to make fun of us, which I, I think at least one person has done. I feel like it personally anyways, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, but back to the topic of tournament formats. Uh, so that's kind of your standard tournament format that I mentioned. Um, Reese and Scarry, are there any other tournament formats that maybe people should be aware of or something that I missed mentioning? I mean, in the past, there were, you know, there was a plethora of them, but I think now we're at the stage where there's one ring to rule them all. And the GT mission pack, I believe is it. Um, uh, there will always be variety and there always should be variety. Uh, that's one of the, the, the beautiful things about this game and the journey you go on when you play the game is that if you do become an organizer, the urge will come at some point to kind of do your own thing and you should, it's fun. Um, but the baseline I think going forward is going to be stock standard GT, uh, 40k missions and that's a really good thing because it makes it uh, lowers barrier to entry uh, anybody that's been playing garage hammer with those missions can then go to an event and then they know what to do and they're going to be more confident more comfortable they're going to have more fun they're going to perform better so ultimately it's it's super positive but um, yeah you always want to reach out to the event organizer and ask them like you know what what format are you running but i think going forward it's going to be pretty ubiquitous that it it will be the, the GT pack. 
And it's not only big 2000 point events, like there's competitions for all sorts of events in the 40, like K Millennium, you've got Kill Team and you've got narrative events. And so keep an eye out for stuff. What are, what are narrative events, Scary? So narrative events um, are events that are sort of based around a story. So if you like, you know, not just going and deciding who's going to be win or loss, but you want to recreate the battle of Cadia or something. Um, a lot of the times, you know, even at places like the Las Vegas Open, where there's uh, groups of people that run events that have a narrative focus, that you're playing missions and trying to achieve objectives, but it's more in, inclined with, you know, achieving the story narrative objectives um, instead of just your rulebook missions to get enough points to win or lose the game where you bring out your titans and your air wings and a whole variety of different things and the tournament organizer is is sort of helping you recreate that narrative and that story but at the same time giving you challenges to achieve and that's a that's a, a whole other weekend of playing and having fun and playing games with a completely different focus that's not just you know win loss it's more about creating that story and i'm glad you brought those up scary because i th actually think there's um 40k events that pay a variety of homages and celebrate different aspects of the competitive 40k scene um for instance if you're more of a social person there are fun casual team events like the adepticon team tournament um where you very much you just get buddies together you have a great time you drink beers um, you play fun games with your opponents. Uh, no one's really concerned about winning or losing. Um, everyone's just there to have a really good time. I think the Adepticon Team Tournament is good for, um, as I think it's probably one of the best examples of that. And if you're more of a, a casual guy, you want to have the tournament experience, um, but you maybe you're like Reese and um, you can't keep up with the kids anymore, or. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I'm not that old, dang <laughs> I know, I know. Um, or, or maybe, maybe you just uh, you you want to take it more casually. Uh, you want to take your time playing a, a game with an opponent who um, will want to win, but maybe doesn't care so much about winning and beating you. Uh, there are casual events, or as we call them at Delvio, they're the 40k casuals. But there are events like that as well too. Um, the, there's competitive team tournaments. There's a narrative events. There's events for I, I think pretty much every kind of gamer and any for any level of or for any um i guess uh depth that you want to dip your toe into competitive 40k there's pretty much there's events for you now i will say that it, generally you only find those events at majors or large conventions or um the like like uh just because running multiple events is very uh financially straining and that's something that i, I definitely want to talk about right after this um so if you're trying to dip your toe into uh, those kind of events, the variety, and you're trying to figure out what event you really like playing, what you really like doing, I highly recommend uh, taking a once-in-a-lifetime mecha trip to one of the uh, super majors, right? So, like, the Las Vegas Open is one we've mentioned frequently, uh, Depticon, Nova, the London Grand Tournament, if you're in Australia, CanCon, um, Canada's the capital city, Bloodbath, uh you can find all of these events if you listen to signals from the front line um, on the Frontline Gaming Network. Uh, every every week, Reese religiously talks about all the events going on, although not lately, um, but generally talks about all the events going on too. So uh, that's a great, quick, 
informa- informative episode where you can find out if events happening near you. Um, but yeah, look for those if you're looking for more variety. Uh, unfortunately, your local RTT is going to be more of that, generally going to be more of that standard um, 2000 point kind of like match play deal or, or something a little more vanilla. Um, that's just in my experience. Obviously, a lot of TOs also run their RTTs in their own ways and different formats as well. Um, so just uh, bear that in mind if you're looking for those events. Uh, now, I want to talk about cost. Um, I I think right now, uh, Warhammer 40k is still fairly prohibitive to the general kind of like geeky gamer public. Um, would you guys agree or disagree with that in terms of cost? Well... Let's do an example of a, a very mainstream geeky hobby. Pablo, you're familiar with Magic the Gathering. That's true, yes. What is the cost of a very competitive deck versus a competitive 40k army? I'm so glad you mentioned that, uh, Brandon. The cost is about comparable. So it depends on what format with Magic you're playing um, and to what level you want to compete. Uh, but I would say that that holds true also for Warhammer 40k. If you want to be the absolute best like if you, if you want to be brandon grant or if you want to be jim vessel uh someone who competed for and almost won the best overall which means that he had a beautiful paint beautifully painted army and also uh one best itc which means that he was had both both had the beautifully painted army and also was one of the best or it still is one of the best players but almost won the itc championship if you want to do that you're gonna to have to spend a lot of money it's just just the way it is. Um, but it's like that in Magic, too. If you want to constantly keep up with standard rotations, uh, if you want to do well in Modern and, and uh, kind of survive the bans that Watsy puts out, you, you're going to have to spend a lot of money as well, too. But on the flip side, if you want to jump into Magic and you want to just do Limited, like if you just want to do sealed drafts and have a good time with your buddies, you know, um, win a couple of FNMs or whatever... That's a small investment. That's a minimal investment. But I think the same thing goes to, through Warhammer 40k, um, which uh, I, I realize I'm talking too much. I'm soapboxing. I apologize. Brandon, finish your point. <laughs> so my point is, um, at the very most competitive level, if you're going to be someone who follows the meta very intensely, yeah, it's it's very pricey. But if you're someone who doesn't mind, for example, going to the Frontline Gaming secondhand shop, and buying some used models to add to your collection, um, it's a lot less expensive. Or you can do something like what I've done, which was I played pretty much the same army for years. Um, so I second that notion. <laughs> at the championship game where I won the event, I was using models that had goblin green painted bases, which for those who don't know is a basing technique that was used in the 1990s in White Dwarf. So I was <laughs> many, painting many them years ago. years ago and still using them uh, to win the ICC. So, yeah, 40K is filled with models where, whoa, we just got this new box. It's really powerful. It looks really cool. I want that box. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't go to events and still win games um, with used models or with using the same models for years. Hmm. Uh, now, Scarry Reese, um, what, what do you think about the costs uh, associated to Warhammer 40k, and how would you advise someone to either navigate them, or um, do you think that the, how, prohibit, how prohibitive have they been versus other games in tournaments, etc.? What are your kind of thoughts on that? 
Um, it's as expensive or as cheap as you want the hobby to be. Mm-hmm. Like, just like almost anything in life, you know, if you're really passionate to do it, um, if you really have a, a burning desire to participate, you will find a way. Uh, don't let the price be an inhibitor to you. So if you are someone who is affluent and, you know, you get a thrill out of uh, buying something new and you have the money, um, you can spend as much money as you want on it. Realistically, you could, you could be like a, a crazy person like me and have 13 fully painted big armies and go to events. When I was um, at the height of my tournament playing, I was going to tournaments two to three times a month. But it was well within my budget, and it was no big deal. And we'd always carpool with a bunch of buddies and put four or five guys in a car and share a hotel room and, uh, you know, bring ramen packets if you need to or go out <laughs> to dinner. And um, you can it, it can be whatever it is. So even if you're uh, balling on the budget, um, like Brandon said, you go to the secondhand shop, you could borrow an army from a friend. Um, you could make it work, Right. So if you do want to go and compete at the biggest events that are across the country or even in another country, you have to budget for that. But when you compare it to any other hobby that you're super engaged in, like scuba diving or golf or off-roading or stamp collecting or whatever, it's the, the price is actually very reasonable. Um, when you look at the price of a single kit, you might get some sticker shock because it, it's a luxury good. It is priced as such. But there's so many ways around that if you're creative and you want to find it. So don't let the price scare you. Um, there's always, where well, there's a will, there's a way. So if you want to go and compete at the highest level, even if you're uh, a 19-year-old kid uh, that, that's in college and doesn't have a ton of money, I've seen it happen, you can make it work. And if you're really performing well, people will literally give you money to keep your, your hot streak going. So it can be expensive, but... Long story short, don't let that intimidate you. Don't let that inhibit you. There are so many ways to get around that relatively minor hurdle. Mm. Uh, now, Skari, um, what are some what are some ways that you've kind of seen or used uh, to enjoy competitive forty k on a budget? So, first of all, I concur with what you know, Reese said and what Brandon said. I've personally been I I. I've been playing one faction mainly for 12 years, being the Dark Eldar, and being able to collect and build on one army, even though I have many of that same army, it means that as the game ebb and flows and units come in and out of, of you know, Vogue or, you know, get better or worse as the edition changes, as the codexes change, you're able to sort of pick that dusty old model off the shelf and say, great, I don't have to buy another one, I have it already. So it's like an investment that you make in time. So playing on a budget, you know, being, you know, uh, you know, having a family and, and having a budget to kind of work around and having to provide for, you know, a kid and stuff. And it you, you, you get creative. You know, one of the more creative ways is is by diving deep into your bits box and, and really sort of like making the most out of all the, the goodies that you get when you do get a kit. Um and converting and and modeling like things that out of like the raider riders on your raiders making 10 extra cab light warriors for your army etc and that sort of things that you kind of dive into the hobby to be on a budget as well as 
you know, making sure you take care of your paints and your paintbrushes and things that cost you money so that you're not, you know, having to buy them as frequently as somebody who doesn't care about their paintbrushes, for example. Um, and yeah, other than that, you know, always be on the lookout for a friend that might want to offload an army if you want to get an army for cheap. Um, a lot of the times, you know, the armies I find change hands within a group of friends multiple times over years uh, where, you know, Fred wants to sell his army then bob buys the army off fred because fred needed the money at the time and then bob goes and you know goes to a couple of tournaments with this army and then sells it to chris who then 10 years later fred buys his army again because now he's back in business <laughs> so these are all things that i've seen happen and there, there's just tons of ways to work around it that that happens all the time by the way there's what scar just described is is something I've seen ad nauseum. Uh, yeah, secondhand is, is definitely the way to go. Um, one other thing, uh, budget way that I'd also like to mention that kind of wasn't really covered um, was uh, go through the eBay. When you go through eBay, um, buy and hold on to your models and then uh, trade them as well. So um, you can go on eBay, you can go through the secondhand shop, which Brandon... Uh, thank you for the plug, by the way, buddy. The Frontline Gaming Secondhand Shop. Um, but any model you buy is an investment in your future games. Uh, so that's why um, Brandon and Scary talked about owning a single army. Um, and Reese, too. Uh, Reese does that all the time. I think the last three editions, I asked Reese what he was playing, and he said, I think I'm just going to play my guard. Um, and that, that's... <laughs> It's very much just because he he has a large guard army. He has almost all the models he needs. Um, same with Brandon and Scary. Uh, so you could definitely do that. Um, there's a lot of little hidden tips for uh, budgeting that um, people don't generally uh, mention. Um, so when you're going to events as well, you know, eating or staying at hotels with your buddies, that's another very cost-effective way to play 40k um, and go to events and tournaments. Uh, so, oh, and then uh, finally, the the one I've actually I, I've forgotten and just remembered. Um, do your homework. So, if you listen to the Art of War, you will get a great amount of knowledge about what you want to buy. And um, this kind of ties back to making smart investments in models. Um, unfortunately, when I first started playing Warhammer Forty K, I bought about thirty Dark Angels Terminators. Um, and that was uh, probably one of the worst couple hundred dollars I've ever spent because I don't have a single one right now, uh, except for the first model I ever painted. I still have that one, but it was a character model. Um, so you want to do research into what faction you want to play, what you kind of want to do if you want to be a team tournament guy or if you want to uh, play more casually or if you want to play to be the best in the ITC. Whatever you decide to do, I highly recommend going, listening to podcasts, watching videos, listen uh, and read about lists online, um, and then make an informed decision there. Uh, the worst thing you want to do is buy, you, you know, Centurion Assault, or Centurions, Assault Centurions, for, you know, 90 bucks or whatever for three models, um, and then find out that they're absolutely awful. Um, and then you never, every time you run them, you just feel really bad, even though you spent hours and hours painting them and... Um, you know, you spend a significant investment on them too. So do your research. Um, unfortunately, not every model is created equally. Uh, and that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, let's talk about one final thing. So uh, I want to talk about um, what 
what people what people rules or I guess what I guess um, to kind of uh, piggyback onto that, where can people find rules? What kind of resources uh, can people listen to beyond the Chapter Tactics 40k podcast um, that you guys have seen, or maybe ones that are communities that have gotten you into the game of competitive 40k? Uh, so Brandon, Scary, Reese, um, where would you point people to uh, to who are hungry to learn more about competitive 40k? Uh, disappointingly, I'm finding that a lot of the games that are on YouTube are not really that competitive. Um, sadly, um, I do think that Frontline Gaming has some solid articles on competitive 40k. So especially if you just search Frontline Gaming, fill in the blank for your army you might find a relative strategic article on how to play that army. Um, but honestly, if I was trying to look for competitive games that are being explained, um, I think I would have to go to the um, just tournament streams. So I would look up tournaments that are big, like maybe Adepticon or the Las Vegas Open. The bigger, the better. And I would try and watch those games while they were unfolding especially if i knew that some nice streamers were going to be explaining the game to me um so that i would understand what the players were doing i think that's one of the best ways to learn um 40k is by watching it being played by the experts otherwise that's also one of the best oh, go ahead, Brian. i guess i'll cover that we have the art of war podcast which is also very excellent when it comes to explaining the latest strategies for 40k Coincidentally, 40k streams is also the best places to see Brandon Grant play as well. Um, so I see what you're trying to do there, Brandon. Little name recognition, brand recon- brand building. Um, I'm joking, but uh, Scary Reese, what are what are some areas um, in the community that you kind of turn towards? Um, I, I would uh, mimic what Brandon said, and um, thank you very much for saying there's good articles on Frontline. I think so too. We have some really really good writers who are. Uh, tournament veterans, um, but uh, Tabletop Titans, I think, is doing a really good job of breaking down Ninth Edition tactics. Um, it's spearheaded by some incredibly good players um, like Brian and their playtesters, so we've been featuring them on Frontline Gaming's blog. I think they're probably doing the best job of anything that I've seen in terms of video content, not to put anybody else down, uh, but just in my limited time, what I've seen, they're doing a really, really good job of breaking down faction by faction, at least like things you should be looking out for in ninth edition. Um, like these are what, this is what's changed. This is what we have found to be good in playtesting. So I would highly recommend that as a place to learn. And then kind of just searching around the web, there's some um, specialized sites. Um, like, you know, if you're a Dark Eldar player like Skari, there are websites that are specifically geared towards that. And while not all of the advice is going to be very good, there's going to be some gems in there from people who are longtime players like Scarry or, or same with Tyranids. The Hive Mind um, is one of them. Uh, looking for places like that that are very focused and specialized, you're going to find some gems in there if you're willing to, to kind of dig through it. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, just hiring a coach. And we have some partners we work with at The Art of War, some of the best players in the game, like Nick Nonavati, Richard Siegler, who won the ITC last year, and Nick won the year before, um, or two years ago, excuse me. And there's some amazingly good players who have decades of experience, and you can just hire someone if that sounds, you know, like something you're interested in doing, and they can level you up, you know, dramatically faster than you would do on your own. 
You know, it's, oh. uh, it's uh, Reese. that's fantastically said. It's funny how, uh, talking about coaching, you know, on The Art of War, that's what we do. We talk, we coach, we help build lists, we guide you towards your goals. And even after having just a simple comp conversation with someone about their army or what they want to achieve it's funny how they just it just fires off all those neurons in your brain that you might have not used uh, previously but uh, going into content the art of war does have a competitively focused twitch stream uh, where you have basically la casa de 40k which is uh, Nick Nanavati, Richard Siegler, John Lennon, Mark Perry, you know, um, in this one house. It's essentially become like a, a hub of competitive 40K playing. And they do a live game every Friday and every Sunday on their Twitch page. So Twitch is a great, great um, resource for you if you want to see people physically playing Warhammer 40,000. Uh, competitively and on the streams for example they explain everything they talk about the secondaries they break things down so it's a it's a it is a very good resource this episode is brought to you by hp instant ink no one is reading your mind but hp instant ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges so you never have to think about ink save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'll second that. I think Twitch is a better source for videos of games. Um, the only thing on YouTube that I found is useful is there are a few people who basically do podcasts on YouTube that are more useful, but YouTube is less successful, in my opinion, for seeing competitive 40k games played. Hmm. Uh, one other thing that was kind of um, brushed aside, but uh, I, I kind of want to really drive home is the idea of um, joining a community of people online to talk about competitive 40k. So I'm not talking about the large forums like Reddit, competitive 40k Reddit or Daka Daka, definitely not Daka Daka, um or uh Facebook competitive 40k, there's a competitive 40k group on Facebook. I'm talking about like the Patreon communities, uh maybe Discord channels are actually getting really really popular. Uh Facebook Messenger groups are also really popular, but it's those kind of little micro communities in the bigger overall communities where I see a lot of really good discussions about competitive 40k um so one great tip um that i think would be helpful to someone joining competitive 40k or wanting to jump into it is to get some buddies in like a group a private group maybe if you guys like discord do discord if you guys like facebook create a facebook group or a facebook messenger chat or whatever um and then just talk about it there just uh, from there, talk about competitive 40k and talking about going to tournaments proliferates into actually going into tournaments. Um, and you oftentimes feed off of each other. Uh, and then another great thing also is uh, supporting your content creators. So I, I think Patreon communities and um, like Discord channels that revolve around content creators are some of the coolest things because you get to talk to not only someone who you whose opinion you care about because you're obviously taking the time to listen to their content, listen to their videos and their podcast. Uh, but also you're talking to people 
about that topic who also like what you like in um, this particular video. So, um, for instance, uh, Scar Scarry and all of his patrons, uh, they get together and they have Meta Mondays where they talk about the Meta and Scarry hops on. They have a great time. Um, there's a Discord channel where everyone kind of talks about whatever they want. They can share the painted miniatures that they want and, and so on and so forth. And it builds up a community online that I think is more important now than ever. Uh, whereas before, you could maybe get away with going once a week with your buddies on a Wednesday, maybe go to like the local Denny's next to the game store, do an RTT every Wednesday or a small leak every Wednesday, and then that would be enough. Um, that That's not something you can do right now. Um, and that's not something I can see foresee you doing in the next few months. So definitely online communities. That would be my number one uh, tip for people. All right. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Was there anything that you guys wanted to add about uh, introducing someone to competitive 40k? Maybe any stigmas? Uh... I, I'd say really quickly, uh, and I can't wait to hear what the other guys have to say because they, they still do it more than I do. But uh, the number one thing I've encountered is um, a level of intimidation or a preconception that it's like a bunch of like, like, sweat dripping off the end of your nose like slavering competitive jerks or that the the they're elitist or that they don't want you there um and, and that nothing could be further from the truth like the best analog i've ever seen is in the movie role models if you've ever seen it they go larping and um like the quote-unquote cool guys are like this is actually really fun and then all the larpers are like we do it every saturday we're always looking for more people right like they're like super stoked to have them so that's the best analog I can think of. It's like going and doing a 5K or, you know, a fun run or volunteering. Um, it's a welcoming, warm environment where people are happy to see you. Everyone wants to see it grow. It really doesn't matter how well or poorly that you do. It's just go have fun, enjoy yourself and be a part of the community because that's the thing that matters the most. Winning games is always better than losing, but in the long run, it's being a part of a, a group that makes you feel like uh, you belong somewhere, like you have a, a community. Uh, that's the best part about it. So don't be intimidated. Jump in. Have a good attitude. Even if you're an introvert, do your best to just introduce yourself to one person, and um, you'll be welcomed. And, and it, does, you know, it doesn't matter your background, so um, uh, don't be intimidated. Just, just go and have a good time. Yeah, Reese, you you say you 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 speak the truth there, and I feel that uh, you know speaking to people who might want to go to a competitive event, a lot of the times it's you know sort of like an anxiety of not wanting to be a burden to the person across from you, you know, not knowing your rules or you know coming across as you know not knowledgeable, and I I just want to say that's the 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 thing that's the least on someone's mind when they're playing you. Um, you know, we were all there at some point. We all started, you know, not really knowing what we were doing and sort of like taking a leap of faith. And the person across from the table will will more will more often than not be a guiding hand. They will they will sort of like mentor you through the game. I've I've heard I've seen competitive players take a brand new person that's playing at a tournament and coach them to win. So, <laughs> you know, there's that like, don't be afraid to, to just go and, and, and just roll some dice and have some fun. Yeah. 
I think on that point, if you're afraid of um, how competitive the event might be, then start small. If you've never played at a store or an event before, start with the smallest local event you can find. And you're going to get better at this over time. Like, think of it as a life skill that you're working on. Sure, you'd rather be at home building or painting some models, maybe, than talking to this stranger about how you think they misinterpreted some rule that you're not familiar with. Um, But if you get good at that, it's super useful, even outside of 40K, to be able to do, I guess, crisis management because it's going to happen during the game. Uh, The way I I call 40k is the game only exists in the minds of the two players who are at the table. I mean, yes, there are pieces on the table to represent what's happening, but you're really after both players agreeing at all times that what is occurring on the table is this. And if you end up in a situation where the players disagree, how to resolve it. So yeah, that can be a little intimidating to to jump into if you've never done um, a competitive game before. But again, start small and always be polite and always be professional no matter what happens. And I think that you will end up having a good time, whatever the result was. Beautiful, beautiful. And then finally, for those of you tuning in to talk about or to hear us talk about the future of competitive 40k, always be a good ambassador to to competitive 40k you know uh try try your best to um listen to newer player be open newer players be open-minded online um try not to argue represent competitive 40k in a positive light and then also if you're looking to make that jump and you read you know uh, about some story about how little johnny got raffle stomped um by someone at a 40k itc tournament um you know just go to an event instead of thinking about that thing just go to an event with an open mind and at least try it i will admit that it's not for everyone and that's totally okay um but we all we all got to you know do a better job of just be accepting and open-minded of each other's hobbies in in 40k in general um so try to do that and let's talk about the future of competitive 40k the thing we've been trying to introduce you to for the past hour um so we don't right now i think there's some uncertainties about where 40k is going to go um i see uncertainties about where where the meta is are we going to go to horde armies are we going to go to vehicles uh are blast weapons going to destroy everyone uh what tables are we playing on um are we gonna do we like the missions do we need more terrain rules do we need less terrain rules uh you kind of see this uncertainty um and i don't want to say fear but just anxiety uh whenever a new edition happens uh, i saw it with 7th edition i saw it with 8th edition for sure and, and it's rearing its head again in 9th edition so i guess to kind of like set everyone at ease um for the three of you what is kind of the first thing you would tell to people who maybe might say like the world is falling or the, the sky is falling in 40k for x reason right so w- what is, what are some mainstays what are some commonalities from 8th to 9th that we're still going to see that'll make make everything be okay basically anyone no i guess no one it, you know what it, the world is ending actually 9th edition is coming with 40k be, as be, we know it i'd Go be ahead. happy to jump in on this one i just didn't want to uh, jump in too soon because i thought i was the obvious one but the the future of organized play um 
uh, is brighter than it's ever been. And obviously I have uh, information that's not privy to everybody, but um, I encourage everybody to approach ninth edition with an open mind to take the GT missions for what they are. This is GW trying to give the match play community what they have asked for, which is a unified tournament format in accordance with not only what the way we are used to playing the game, but GW's vision for the way the game should be played and what they think is best for all players of the game to get involved in match play, not just the hardcores, right? And with this, we're seeing like a bridge being built. It's Games Workshop reaching out to the competitive and match play community and saying we want to be involved and that we're excited about what you're all doing. And we think that if we work together, it can be bigger and better. And that's exactly what's happening. Now, it might not be a perfectly smooth path up the mountain, but we're, we're going to get there one step at a time. And if everybody tries to take a, a step back and look at it from a broad perspective, as opposed to just, I'm outraged that this one little thing right now in the immediate future is not exactly the way I want it. So therefore I hate everything. You can kind of dish that a little bit and try to be, it's okay to be constructively critical, but to try and do it with a sense of what's the bigger picture and then look at what we can do as a community of motivated, intelligent people with GW backing the play or even leading the play. It's dramatically bigger and better and cooler with more accolades, more prizes, more attention, more people playing. So to me, the future is brighter than it's ever been, even with a couple, maybe a little, little minor bumps in the immediate road. Um, so I hope everybody can be, you know, excited and enthusiastic to see this going in a direction that we really never even thought was possible. So get excited and participate and, um, be ready for an exciting next couple of years. I think one of the coolest things about an edition change is even the most hardcore players are not at the same level that they were with the old edition. So it gives everybody almost sort of like a blank slate. Like, yeah, some people who've been playing more frequently might understand some of the concepts better, but you as a player will have an opportunity to sort of like get in at the ground floor, especially around this time. You know, everything, there's no meta, there's not really, you know, nobody really knows like the best way to play the missions or the secondaries or this is all this testing um, phase for us as players, as a community. So my biggest suggestion would be just if you can play some games and you might not all be able to play games physically with a person at the moment, but use resources at your disposal. There are, there are tools that you can use. There's uh, you know, videos that you can watch. There's the articles that you can read where if you want to make something work, you know, now's the time to just show that it can work. Be creative, test different things, especially as the competitive scene starts redeveloping, you know, you, get yourself that that running start you know find out what works and what doesn't and don't just take you know everything at face value that you just read online if you can try it try it and then make a value judgment for yourself yeah spot on uh brandon do you have anything else to add to that um i think that reese has done a great job of summarizing things and so is scary um, I'd just say that I'm very optimistic about things. 
um, looking over all the changes. I think it's far more accessible. And I think that the game is going to be... I'm not going to say straightforward. I want to say straightforward. But um, I think that the battles are going to be less about tabling your opponent and more about scoring points, which has always been my favorite thing. Because, heck, as long as you have models on the board, you can still win. So I'm looking forward to Ninth Edition. And if you're just getting started now, I think that this is going to be the best that 40K has ever been. And it's been pretty good up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so speaking of um, speaking of making more accessibility uh, to or bringing more accessibility to newer players and uh, older veterans as well, um, I want to talk about the uh, app, the GW app, the Grand Tournament, the Grand Tournament Mission Pack, and kind of things that GW are doing right now uh, that are affecting matched play, uh, because. Although there isn't a large change from 8th to 9th edition, obviously they are different editions, but the change from like 7th to 8th edition, for instance, was dramatically, you know, more radical than the change from 8th to 9th. Uh, someone can actually pick up 8th edition and then play 9th edition and have a relative still understanding of how to play. Um, there's a much less learning curve there. But the thing that we're going to see, I think the largest dramatic change in is GW's involvement with competitive 40k and organized play. So where do you guys think, where do you guys see the app heading in the future? How do you see things like the app? Um, I'm going to say it right now, the Grand Tournament Mission Pack, it's got the year 2020 on it. Um, and obviously there's a Minotorm Field Manual as well. Like with Chapter Approved, this might just replace Chapter Approved, or um, they might, if they hate the missions, or if people hate the missions, they might change the missions, or they might just change the missions every year, random, like, not randomly, I guess, but, you know, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is the potential for GW to change the competitive scene, especially if we all adopt the app and the rule, the missions, and the game size and everything, is substantial. They, they can turn around next year and say, hey, we're playing on 6x4s now. No more 60x44s. And, and I think for the most part, we would comply. So how how do you feel about that level of control that GW has over competitive 40k? And how do you see that changing how we play tournaments in 2021? Uh, anyone can answer that question. I'll jump in there, Pablo. So first of all, the app... Um, I'm very excited about having a tool at my disposal that'll have all my books and um, all my rules and my army in one spot. Like I think that's that's fantastic. It's going to be great not to having not having to carry all these things around. Which also leads me to the GT pack, which essentially is all the rules you need to play the game without lugging the giant book around. Which means that if you're traveling to a tournament, it's excellent. Now, if you want to sort of you know, predict how 40k is going to look in the future competitively. I think uh, you can probably take a look at what has happened with like the uh, Age of Sigmar scene in terms of the books and releases they've had with the general handbook that have improved and changed the competitive setting and added missions rather than just changing missions. What it does, it just adds new missions to the pack. So now if you go to like an Age of Sigmar event, you're looking at planning for 18 different missions that could be over three years of missions being released, which then just increases the depths of armies that have to adapt to like the different the missions that, that, that might be played. I think 
seeing something like that in 40k would be really exciting. Mm, okay. How do you guys feel? How do you guys feel, Brandon and Reese? So I know in a previous podcast we discussed the direction we wished that Games Workshop would go in, and I believe we were mentioning specifically how some competing nerd game systems have started making their rules updated online or uh, patched frequently. So, for example, um, we talked with someone who was developing a game, and in their game, every two weeks, there's a patch. So they take a look at all this huge data, and they crunch it, and then they say, oh, this part of the game is broken, we're going to adjust it this way, and then we're going to step back and see what happens. So I like the idea of Games Workshop being way more involved than they have been in the past. It's leading to a much better gaming experience. Um, it's leading to a much more competitive um, tournament scene for more armies, which is fantastic. And I'm hoping that this app is just the very beginning of what Games Workshop has planned for digital resources for 40K, because digital access to automatically updated codexes and rulebooks is absolutely a great start, and I'm excited to see that. But I know that they must be working on something else soon. I'm hoping, but it might be several years. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But it seems like they're heading in the right direction in terms of making the game more accessible and paying more attention to where the game is currently in the metagame. Now, Reese. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I agree 100%. Like the app, the app stumbled out the gates. I think it, that's pretty obvious. Um, I, I have limited information as to like why or what or how, but I do know that their development timeline was really, really screwed up by COVID. Um, they basically ceased development for an extended period of time. So, I you know that beyond that, I don't, I can't have any answers. But um, um, even though it, it didn't come out blowing the doors off like you know D and D beyond. Uh, or something like that in other table, you know, another equivalent software package. Like the other guys have said, this is what people have been asking for forever. A list builder, amazing. Was already on, you know, release, which is a bummer, but it's almost here. Uh, digital access to rules. It wasn't perfect on release, but it's almost done. Amazing. So you could carry around in your pocket all the resources that you need. We've been asking for this forever. Uh, all the FAQs that they've been releasing are as a direct result from player feedback. Like, um, we didn't want to go back to the battle days of, of two FAQs per year that answer questions that nobody cared about, right? So then they started FAQing things rapidly and people were complaining about, oh, there's too much to keep track of. Oh, it would be so great if we had it in a digital product. Well, here we go. It wasn't perfect, but please remember, Games Workshop is not a software development company. <laughs> They're a model making and game making company. They have their, their software development team is, is tiny and brand new. So, of course, they didn't do it perfectly right out the gates. But it's only going to get better. And they've hired some really smart, dedicated, intelligent people to man this project. And I have complete confidence that in X number of months, maybe as much as a year, I don't know, I'm guessing, that this product is going to blow people's socks off. It's, it's a bummer that they didn't do it right out the gates. But I have confidence that in time, Everyone's going to be using it and uh, advocating for it. Even some of the most staunch critics are going to be turned uh, turned on to it when they see how versatile and useful it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually going to be my question. Um, 
So I, I guess I guess to kind of follow up on that, Reese, um, what would you say to someone who who you know is worried about everyone playing the same? Uh, basically everyone conforming to what GW wants, right? So um, there's already been people who have expressed dissent against the 60 by 40 format, switching to that size and just keeping the 6 by format. Um, and the same thing with the missions, maybe people who still want to run Nova missions or ITC champion missions or uh, whatever missions that they want. What would you say to people who want to kind of go against what GW is doing? Um like, would you like your? How would you talk to them? Basically, what would you tell yeah, them? Yeah, not a problem. Change is always hard. When we found about it, the change to the forty-four by sixty, we weren't super stoked about it. Um, you know, just like the change from the uh, twenty-eight millimeter to thirty-two millimeter bases on, you know, Space Marines and Necrons and stuff, because it, it represents an inconvenience to the existing customer, right? So that's annoying. Um, any change is met with resistance initially. And there's people that are like, oh, you know, every edition change I've been through, which I've been through all of them, literally, there's always people like, I'm not playing this edition. I'm going to play the old edition. (laughs) And that lasts for a week, maybe a month, right? And then it it fades away. Because what will happen, what always happens, is that the player base wants to play what's current and new, right? Like someone who's going to start playing the game this year, which every single year there's more people uh, coming into the hobby fresh. They're going to be like, why are these dinosaurs playing on a a 4x6? It doesn't make sense. And every year, that will be compounded. As the old guard fade away and the fresh blood come in, they're going to be like, why in the blazes would you possibly want to play on a 6x4? That seems antiquated and silly, right? Uh, Why would you want to play 6th edition? We're playing, you know, uh, 8th now. Like, that seems silly to me. And and frankly, or 9th, excuse me. And and it, it is, right? Is it an inconvenience? Do I have empathy for the person that's sitting there going, well, I have all this stuff that's been modified for this current system? Of course I do. It sucks. But Games Workshop made a very difficult decision looking to the future to lower the barrier of entry so that you have less models. You play on a smaller surface, which means you need less space, which means you need less terrain, right? So from this point forward, it's better for everybody else. Looking backwards, it's annoying to the people who've already been in the game. So I, I understand the frustration, but trying to hold on to it is fighting the tide. Like maybe you can do it in a localized little group, like an insular group, or we're, we're going to stick to, uh, you know, fifth ed missions and uh, play on a, a four by eight forever. Well, you know what? If you want to do that, more power to you. If you're having fun doing it that way with your little with your garage hammer group, by all means, with no no mockery, no sarcasm, then do that and have a good time. But if you want to be a part of the the drive towards the future, it's going to be with all of these mechanisms in place, whether you like it or not. And I'm not saying that like tough love. I'm just saying that's just the way it is. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it will always be going into the future. We have to remain adaptable and flexible and not get calcified into this position that you're in because inevitably it will change. I kind of feel like we're going to see that with the app, with the GW app. Um, I feel like like a maybe a year or two down the road, you're, you're going to meet some guy who's like, I don't, I didn't download that app. It, it's a, uh, it's stealing my money. I, I can't even build my army on it. And you're like, well, I mean, yeah, that was true when it launched, but you know, now it has all these cool features. Like, look, you can, you can click on the app and you can buy an army right here and it'll just magically paint itself or whatever, obviously. That's not really going to happen, but um, 
Yeah, you're right, Reese. We see that all the time. Uh, kind of like, uh, you know, even in Age of Sigmar, and um, when we switched from War of Fantasy to Age of Sigmar, people moved over to Age of Sigmar eventually. Um, you know, and Age of Sigmar is actually big. It's the second biggest miniature game in the world behind Warhammer 40k, right? So, um, anyways, Reese or Scarry and Brandon, uh, are there any like tournament implications? that the app or the GW missions um, are going to have uh, in terms of like playing the game or the meta that you guys foresee? Um, I do think that it will help with people understanding other codexes more. I mean, I was already doing that. I was finding a way to find somebody who knew the darn rules before I went to events. But for the general public, that was easier said than done. I mean, how many armies are there in 40K? At least 20. So understanding the rules for everyone, especially when they're always being updated, was a pain. So if it makes the rules more accessible, I will celebrate that. For now, I'm not sure if it's doing that yet. But again, what Reese was saying was totally reasonable. When you're rolling out software and you've never rolled it out before, I'm sorry, I'm an engineer. Everything that looks easy is way harder than you think it is, is <laughs> kind of what things have been in my experience. It's like, uh, oh, you want it to do that. Um, give me two years and one and a half million dollars and we can get it for you. It's like, what? But it's so simple. Well, no, it's not. But regardless, on, on topic again, um, I've lost my train of thought. Someone else should come in. App good. I, I feel... Over time. Go. Get now. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I want to listen to an entire episode where Brandon just explains engineering things that are actually a lot harder than then we were I like, was going like, down this that is hole. a potato peeler. I, I would totally <laughs> listen to that. That would be awesome. It'll I be was <laughs> frontline gaming. Beep boop beep beep boop. <laughs> um, anyways, so going going back on topic, uh, I want to talk about um, games in twenty twenty one. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I want to give a quick like state of competitive forty k address uh, right before COVID. Right, so. At the end, or Las Vegas Open this year, we had Richard Siegler win the ITC um, on the back, or not on the back of, but with the help of, I think, the most successful competitive team we've had to date in competitive 40k, uh, Team Brohammer. They're the Florida guys. They're the best. Um, they constantly, every the whole year in the season, they were they were pushing each other, um, and they really showed what you could get out of a true competitive professional quote-unquote team in 40k um i think i I foresaw this year we might see more of that but obviously we didn't so i think in 2021 i think we'll probably see some sort of semblance of more teams getting together and actually working towards the itc championship um as a team as a unit uh we also saw a huge rise in the number of streams we got the year of uh 2019 we we had the 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 strides we took in streaming competitive 40k were night and day compared to 2018 when GW had just barely started taking over streaming. Um, and really the only, there were only a select few tournaments that got streamed, right? Like I think 2019 is when we had the first full on WTC or ETC streamed like front to back where every, everything went fine and smooth. I think it might've been 2018, but 2019 was definitely one that I remembered uh, from a coverage perspective. Um, and that was true with a lot of events. There was even an event that was basically designed around the whole esport aesthetic. 
um, with a large grand prize uh, and an emphasis on top-notch quality shoutcasting and streaming. Um, and I, I think it was overall an, a success if you ask the people who went to it. So what kind of improvements do you guys see uh, the community the community making in 2021? What, what, what are kind of like predictions that you guys have? Um, what are some things that you want to see? Well, there's um, some incredibly exciting things going on, not only with GW getting involved, but with um, third-party companies, you know, augmented reality, being able to like put on some uh, some glasses and seeing distances between models, and um, uh, even as cool stuff as looking at a playing on an FLG mat and seeing the the grass move in, you know, fake wind and all this really cool immersive stuff that's going to take it to the next level. But um, more and more people being involved with YouTubing and streaming, content production. We've seen some really popular blogs pop up out of nowhere, like uh, Goonhammer, uh, Art of War. They're relatively young, but making a big impact. All that stuff is really, really good for the overall health of the match play and really the community in general. Um, and I, I would love to see more of that sort of stuff. And the only way that's going to happen is if there's more people playing the game. Right, like Pablo, you made a great point. Like uh, a lot of people compare the arc we're on with tabletop to esports, but the thing I always try to remind people is that we are literally a fraction, a tiny fraction of the size, and the only way that we're going to get to that level where theoretically we're filling stadiums with people coming to watch is if uh, you have financial backing, um, the 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 impetus of a company like Games Workshop getting involved putting their weight and their, their brand on it and with them growing the marketplace. So all of that cool stuff that, that that's brewing right now, that's what I want to see happen. I want to see more involvement from third-party companies, more involvement from Games Workshop, more people playing the game, more people making the jump into organizing, even if it's just an RTT or the awesome new crusade rules, you want to do a narrative campaign. Those are the things I want to see happen with Ninth edition is us reaching a new plateau of awareness and uh, involvement and excitement and uh, bigger and better spectacles to, to, to get people excited to play, uh, play 40 K. One final, uh, I guess to kind of round off this topic as we are unfortunately running out of time. Uh, what are to talk about the game itself? What are some th- uh, statements online that you see that might be uh, fallacies or incorrect or accurate statements about the state of 40k as a game right so like uh for instance to give a quick example um peter the falcon mentioned um top players making lists where you just bring 200 plus wounds to an army um and then just like trying to win the game without killing a single opponent's model right um that's just an example what do you think about statements like that or or kind of people talking about that the game itself what do you think is true what units and archetypes do you think you're going to see a lot more of um and how do you think that's going to shape tournaments i'll start here i think um one of the statements that that i hear a lot is net listing is bad and i want to say that if you're starting competitively and you don't really know where to start taking a list from someone who has done well with it at a competitive level and copying it and practicing with it is not a bad idea if you want to get into the competitive scene. The key is to make that list your own 
and to and to change it and adapt it to suit your play style. Um, what is bad is taking a netlist and just thinking that you're it's going to fit with your play style exactly, and then not really understanding it and trying to play it and then getting frustrated. All right. Uh, Brandon Reese, what, was there anything in the meta that you think that excites you or, or maybe uh, makes you a little nervous? Um, I can speak directly to the high model count thing. I've heard from some folks who are building some certain lists, including myself, and uh, if you're thinking that 200 wounds is enough, it's really not. If you can't take any yeah. of my models off the board, I will table you by the end of the game. And uh, probably well before that, honestly, if you're not slowing me down enough. So I do think that 40k is deadly enough where you cannot just build a list that will literally not remove an enemy model and win an event. You can win games. I'm, I mean, you can always win a game, but I don't think that's going to be uh, some net list where people just bring... Um, you know, 200 plague bearers anymore and just win based on that. Because if you can't remove the enemy models that are important because they're just dominating the game and removing your army, um, you're not even going to be able to reach the objectives if you go second. Yeah, I concur. Someone was sending me a list today and they were super hyper excited. They're like, oh, this list is going to win every mission. I broke the <laughs> game. And I was like, okay, what is it? And it's just like a ton of wounds. And I was like, the offense of the game did not go down. Can you kill three, two, three hundred models now? And the answer is yes. <laughs> and you can do it pretty easily. Like a really common list right now is the Space Marine Infantry Horde. Do you think that that's going to have any trouble plowing through a bunch of wimpy bodies? Like, unless there's some shtick to it, like a trick, like uh, horrors where you're forced to do it in layers. They can't, they, they, they can overkill the unit maybe then, but I, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. You know, the, the meta will decide this obviously when we have a, a go out into reality, but I agree with Brandon. I was like, if you're just going to throw bodies on the objectives and think you're going to auto win, I think you're in, for a, 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 a rude awakening when you hit somebody who has just a, a normal space marine list that just blows you off the table. Yeah, on top of that, yeah. the whole mechanic now getting technical here, where you can't um, shoot anymore when you fall back from combat at all, ever, um, unless you're ultramarines. Unless you're a vehicle, right? No, you you can, even no. if you're a vehicle and you fall back, you can't shoot. Even oh, if but, you have the fly keyword, you can't you do can... it. But you can shoot as a vehicle while you're in Correct. combat. Correct. If you if you shoot them off you while they're in combat and you're then free and you have guns left and you declared them, then yes, you can. So, but I see. For example, it's a huge change. If you're the the list that hits like a wet noodle, and somebody ties you up with something, um, you're not going to be able to actually get to the objectives. They're blocking you, especially with the new coherency rules. If you're bringing large units, so. If you literally can't kill any enemy models and you're just going for wounds, I don't even think you're going to make it across the board. Not against someone okay. good. You you might get some early points, right? Because the new missions are very much emphasized on scoring. So you might get some early points, and maybe if someone's army is poorly positioned or doesn't have very much hitting power, yeah, you, you might win the game. But an optimized list is going to shred you, <laughs> especially if you can't hit back. It's going to be a declining... They're they're gonna it's gonna be a, a cresting wave that gains strength and momentum as you lose uh, ability to do anything about it. 
one thing I kind of really like uh, that I think I kind of get the feeling GW is going for it is it feels like skew lists are you can still create them you can still build them obviously but um, it feels like bringing a skew list is more uh, rock paper scissory than it was even in eighth edition and I I really when I'm bu- I've been building ninth edition lists I've really been wanting to add like specific a variety of units right like i'm I'm starting to want to put like an extra vehicle like a predator or um i'm building sisters list so uh the exorcist i i keep wanting to go back to one or two exorcists per sisters list um just to help deal with other people's vehicles i think we're going to be seeing them a little bit more often um but you also want to be able to deal with hordes uh because there are going to be people who do try to just hoard the game and there are going to be tough models and then you also saw you still have to deal with primaris equivalent which is two wound t4 three up save models um so i feel like the game is heading more towards a bring a balanced list direction and also try and cater that list to your playstyle, um because of the way gw is kind of designing everything which which is exciting to me um, and I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but that's because kind of kind of how it looks like what it looks like to me. Um, although I don't think we'll I don't think we'll be um, seeing the death of the skew list anytime soon. Uh, all right, uh, so I think that's pretty much it. Um, Reese, I know you have to get going, buddy. So we're gonna we're gonna say sayonara to you here, and then we're gonna jump into the the conclusion, the outros. Uh, Reese, you, you go got ahead. it. Thank you so much for having me. I hope everybody's excited about ninth. I have a couple steaks sitting on the counter, and my girlfriend is about to be home, so I gotta do my duty. Cook some mm. dinner. Yummy. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye, no Reese. problem. Thanks, Reese. Bye, Reese. Okay, Brandon and Skari. Uh, I know we're running late. Is there any final things you guys want to add before we move on to the outro, real quick? Not me. Perfect. Uh, so at the end of every episode, we do like to open the floor out to the patrons, um, and this episode is no exception. If you'd like to ask us a question that we answer live on air, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. If you want to support the podcast, we appreciate all your support. Also, this month, we're going to be giving one lucky patron an Indominus box. I've got it. It's ready to go. It's sitting on my desk. I just need to ship it out to someone lucky. So this is uh, your last episode to sign up before the next episode when I reveal the winner. Um uh, the first patron question comes from patron Kelsey. Uh, what if you were to give someone one piece of advice right before the first round of the LVO, what would it be? So this is LVO 2021. They're, they're about to sign up for their game or they're about to walk up to their table. What, what's one piece of advice? Take a deep breath and soak it in and then get to the table, introduce yourself to your opponent and just get ready to have a good time. Have fun. You're in Vegas, baby. Right on. Don't play to win. Play to play as well as you possibly can, and you'll have a lot more fun. Uh, uh, as a veteran of many Las Vegas Opens, um, I would point out the water stations and the bathrooms. It'd be like, the bathroom's right there, the water station's over there, that's table one, that's table 500. Um because uh, uh, it is a, as Ascari said, it is a spectacle. It is something you have to take in. It's uh, you know over a thousand warmer forty k players. It's the biggest event in the world. And watch out for All the right. receptors. They're gonna get you. <laughs> uh, Patron Paul wants to know what are some lesser known events the hosts are personally excited to go to or hear about, and also when is Stat Center coming back? Um, well, the first question. So, what are some lesser known events that you, that we didn't talk about that you're really excited to go to? 
Um, I am really excited to go to a team tournament in Spain. Um, oh. Yeah, so the, the plan was to go. I know that they run it normally in October, November, later in the year. And I, you know, the guys from La Voz de Orus had invited me over to participate at the event in their team. However, COVID happened, so that might be that's probably going to get postponed till next year. But I was, I that's that's one that I'm probably the 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 most excited to go to. Hmm. Brandon, uh, for me, I'm excited to go to the uh, World Team Championships or World Team Tournament in uh, Europe next year it was canceled for this year so i'm still pumped about that um i'm excited to represent team usa on the world stage so we'll see how that goes oh my gosh that's it's gonna be so exciting you both mentioned team tournaments um and i don't have a specific event but i'm super excited to go to another team tournament um it's been almost a year since i went to my last one uh last year in 2019 and i would love to go to a team tournament completely yeah, team All tournaments right. are fun. That's a whole other There's... podcast just on team oh, yeah. tournaments. I think it's something we've discussed in the past as well. We we have had a team tournament episode um, that was uh, last year in September, I believe was the episode. I believe the episode was titled like team tournaments or something. Um, but we've had a couple. We've we've had some ETC uh, players on. We had some WTC players on. Um, anyways, uh, patron Matthew wants to know any advice for someone going to their first tournament this weekend. So. Uh, this weekend, they're a long-time listener. They're, they've been at sea this entire time, and they finally have a chance to go to a tournament this weekend. Um, any advice for them? So specifically for this weekend, something we haven't mentioned yet on the podcast. Uh, make sure you follow your safety regulations wherever you are, especially if it's this weekend, and um, wash your hands and use your own dice and stuff like that, uh, depending on right. where you are in the world. And... Um, just have some fun. Honestly, you just like get used to just rolling dice and you're going to see the craziest stuff happen, but just focus on just not getting stressed out. Right on. Yeah. If you can have fun no matter what, then you're going to win no matter what. Uh, and then finally, Matt, make sure your list can do well against space brains. So you're going to see them everywhere. You're still going to see them even I now. mean, they're very pretty um, models, and there's a lot of them. I expect lots of Marines. Yep, expect lots of Marines. All right, Patron Michael wants to know, uh, with limited tournament play with limited tournament play for the next while, how do we get a good gauge of the 9th edition meta? Um, get Give feed good GW feedback um, for chapter approved. Um, and uh, he, he listed four. We're just going to do the first two. So... Um, how do we, with limited return of play, how do we get a good gauge of the 90th edition meta, and how do we let GW know what models to adjust in chapter approved? I think we're in a unique position right now where the meta is literally anything. Um, the sample sizes for, you know, what's going to be good at events or what, you know, kind of like bubbles to the top is not going to be as high. So, to be honest, just, you know, pay attention to articles, watch videos, um, and and just test your own things if you're able to on one-on-one -on -one games, and just kind of like base most of your feedback off of that. Right on. Yeah, I've been playing a lot more tabletop simulator due to social distancing restrictions in California where I live. Um, so you can still get the games in, um, even if you can't find events. Um, 
heck, there's a whole server for that. So depending on how cautious you want to be, you can still get games in. And um, on top of that, I do think that even with the limited events, we're going to get a better sense of the meta here very quickly um, because there's enough creativity and communication now that it's very rare for someone to show up to a tournament with a list that no one else thought of. Right on. Yeah, um, so actually I agree with you guys and I also think that this is that rare opportunity where you can build your own list um, and practice it playing your buddies and just get to know it really, really well. Um, and I feel like you'll have a better edge than most people already. Um, just make sure that it's point sufficient. You'll know what to do. You'll you'll fine tune it, you know, um, figure out what works best for you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, you get to make a list free of any meta like decisions, right? Because there's no one really knows what the meta is. So which which is really cool. Um <clears throat> next uh, uh patron Dan wants to know what are the expectations for terrain layout, types and distributions in an FLG event going forward? Um that is definitely a me and Reese question. Um and also how will terrain set be set up, etc. Uh Dan, we are going with um for FLG events we're going with what GW wants. So um, or we're not what GW wants, but we're going with what the mission packs say. Um, for uh, terrain layout, it's it's going to be essentially what GW recommended in the mission pack or in the core book. One of the others, I think I think they have like a specific matched play terrain in those books or something. Yeah, they have a but, uh, recommendation where it's a certain yeah. number of pieces for square footage, essentially. Yeah, I think we'll do something. We'll probably do end up doing that. We might switch it up a little bit depending on what uh, tables like FLG mats are on. Um, but that's pretty much for the most part. Expect all FLG events to be in line with what uh, GW wants for events. So the GW mission pack, the terrain, all that stuff. I think that's pretty safe to say, barring any like crazy things that happen, right? Um, so, uh, but that's the general idea right now, and it's also a little too early to tell, unfortunately. Um, and then finally, Ben wants to know, with the emphasis on objective holding in the GT mission pack, do you foresee the return of hordes into the meta? I think we answered that. So that was a no As in, to hordes. There will be hordes, but they're going to have uh, the ability to hurt you while they're uh, on the table. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless because hordes have hard counters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think as a horde, I think you need to at least be able to kill, if you can't kill a wyvern, and you're a horde list, you need to rethink your horde list. Like, at least a wyvern, right? Does that feel good? Does that feel right? Oh, you should always right be able to kill a wyvern regardless, because those things are nasty. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's it. Thank you so much for sticking through it this long. This one was a little bit longer of an episode, um, but we did have a large topic to cover. Um, if you enjoyed the episode and you want to hear more, go on over to the Frontline Gaming Network uh, where you can listen to this episode of Chapter Tactics along with others and so many more competitive 40k podcasts like The Art of War, 40k Today, the new Australian Art of War, which is just The Art of War, but with more cursing and Australian slang, uh, and then signals from the Frontline. So check that out. If you want to listen Two more from Scary. Scary, where could they find you? You can always find me on YouTube at Scardcast. That's S-K-A-R-E-D-C-A-S-T. Scardcast. And all the links to social media are from there. So, welcome. Right on. And then finally, uh, Brandon, do you have any plugs? Um, not this time, no. 
All right. So thank you so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world, new and old listeners. I appreciate all of you listening to this episode. Um, hopefully, you if you're thinking about jumping into competitive 40k, hopefully this episode helped you a little bit. Let me know if it helped you below. If it didn't help you at all, also let me know so that I can improve for the next edition, whenever that is, and so on and so forth. You guys and gals are all amazing. And as always, have a good one. Bye.